0: You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production in association with City News.
1: Hey, it's Jordan. I have a special podcast for you today. I'd like to introduce the first episode of our new series, Catch Him If You Can. You may have heard my interview with one of the creators of this show a couple of weeks back. Now that the show is in full swing, I really hope you will give this a taste and check it out. It is a thrilling story about a Canadian con artist who has swindled his way to more than a million dollars in ill-gotten gains and left a trail of broken hearts behind him. However, it's not the story of the con man that you'll find thrilling. It's the story of the women who found one another, banded together, and set out to catch him. Enjoy!
2: March Vautour is the 1%. He made his fortune in oil and cryptocurrency. He's handsome, charming, and has a heart of gold. It's hard to believe he's still single. Only it isn't. Because March isn't real. He's a serial grifter and romance con artist who's tricked women and men across Canada, the U.S., Vietnam, and the Czech Republic out of over a million dollars. And that's just what we know of. His trail of destruction has led to heartbreak, bankruptcies, foreclosures, and even PTSD.
3: How could you not be a psychopath? How could you ruin so many people's lives and not care and walk away? It's dark evil.
2: Romance fraud, business fraud, investment fraud, medical fraud.
4: You know they say a really good liar puts some truths in there to make it easier and make the story more believable because he has conviction about that because he knows it's
2: true. He goes by Marcel, he goes by Mark with an M-A-R-C, an M-A-R-K. He goes by
3: Andre, he also goes by Dre. We know him to go by Andy, we know him to go by Martin,
2: we know him to go by March. I think he has a character that he's built for each one of them. He doesn't work. This is his job. He is good at what he does.
3: Hey, you know what? Bravo. You're good at what you do. But we're, we're good at what we do, too. And
2: we're going to get you. My name is Amelia King, and this is Catch em If You Can. I'm a co-founder of a company called Pink Moon Studio. In this seven-part podcast, I'm working with my partner, Maggie Reed to piece together the story of Marcel Vautour, also known as March. All of the stories you'll hear are based on almost two years of research and firsthand accounts, including secret recordings of March himself. We talk to psychologists, fraud experts, police, and follow his survivor's real-time crusade to capture him. Together, we'll mix drama and documentary so you can experience each con firsthand. Some of the minor details in our scripted scenes are fictionalized, but it's how we imagine things went down based on over 50 hours of interviews. I first heard about the story on social media. I love true crime, and the algorithms seem to have caught on. I came across an article with the headline, Duped Women Go After Charming Alleged Con Man. The jury had reserved judgment on him, but already decided that these women were dumb and easily conned. And that bothered me. I then did what you should never do. I went to the comment section.
1: How do people keep falling for these scam artists? There's so much in the news about it. Crazy.
0: He's successful because he tells these ladies how much money he has. They'd never go for him if he told them he drives a cab or is a janitor. We
2: can't blame mothers for our stupid mistakes. It's a cruel world out there.
0: So how do I know this isn't just some bitter exes who put this together? It says he takes all this stuff, but that would be theft and he'd be in jail. So what's his fraud? Maybe he has a hard time with commitment.
2: Stupid. Bitter. Crazy. Gold diggers. The snap judgment is to blame the victim because no one thinks it could happen to them. But could it?
3: I never in a million years thought this would happen to me. And in fact, when I told my friends this happened to me, they were like, You got to be kidding me. You, you of all people,
2: you? Chapter One Andrea. In the summer of 2018, Andrea Speranza was living in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia, with her dog, Cooper. She's a fire captain, she volunteers. She's well known and beloved in her community. She founded Camp Courage, which is a nonprofit that empowers young girls to become first responders, professions that are still very male dominated. Andrea Speranza has long, dark hair, dark eyes, and a beautiful smile. She's fit. Andrea exercises religiously, and not just to stay in shape. She actually likes it. She's one of those people with endless energy and positivity. is in her mid-40s. She's twice divorced, single, and definitely wasn't looking for love.
3: I've already been married twice and both ended, I'm confident, mostly because they've had these life-altering accidents that changed the dynamics from wife to caretaker. I just invested so much in other people. That I felt I'm not really going to look if something, I'm not going to say I'm never going to date anyone, but I'm not going to actively go out and look. <laughs> I do not want to take care of another person. So I don't, I don't do online dating. I don't do anything
2: like that. Between 24-hour work shifts at the fire station, her nonprofit, volunteering, and exercise, her weeks are jam-packed. She's a lot going on in her life, things she wanted to accomplish. Andrea has big dreams, but not the kind you might expect.
3: I don't need anything big or fancy. Like, I'm very satisfied with what I have. I don't need a fancy house. I don't need a fancy car,
2: um, anything like that. Andrea's biggest goal is something she had been planning for 20 years. She wanted to open up an adventure retreat for underprivileged kids.
4: Honestly, I think, and I say this to anybody who will listen to me. She is my Oprah. That's Anna. I look at her with admiration, with respect, with loyalty. I don't know anybody who's smarter, who's kinder, uh, and willing to give of her time to help just about anyone. Anna is one of Andrea's best friends. They're both fitness junkies.
2: They exercise together most days in a place called Shuby Park. Shuby Park? Might as well be a poster for Dartmouth. Known for its beautiful trails and nicknamed the City of Lakes, it has 23. This is a beautiful place to live. Shuby Park is nestled between Lake Micmac and Lake Charles. It has pristine beaches, places to hike, and wild animals. It even has a campground.
3: I live in Shuby Park. Every day I go, I go to Shuby Park and with my dog, and he comes with me, and he's either in my bike basket, running next to me, on my paddleboard, or
2: on my kayak. Something you need to know about Dartmouth is that everyone knows everyone. So when a new person moves to town, they stand out. And the first time Andrea noticed March was in Shuby Park.
3: So he was staying in the campground, and I exercise on the trail. There's a trail in a park attached to it. And, uh, it, you know, every day I'm there. And so I've seen him lots, but I never thought anything of it. And I'm always in a hurry, so I just say hi to everybody and keep, keep on my merry way.
2: It wasn't until August 4, 2018, Anna's 50th birthday, that they actually meet March for the first time. Anna and Andrea had just finished a 10-kilometer walk through Shuby with Cooper. It's a scorching hot summer day, and they're on the hunt for a cold drink and a
1: patio.
0: Welcome to Tim Hortons. How can I help you?
1: Hi, can I get a medium ice cap with chocolate milk? And Anna, what do you want? Uh, I'll have the same. Good boy, Cooper. What a beautiful day. Happy birthday, Anna Banana. Cheers. How's it feel? The exact
2: same.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Andrea and Anna
2: sit there for a while talking and basking in the summer heat until a man walks out of Tim Hortons with two coffees in hand and sits at the table next to them with his friend. He's in his 40s, about 5'8", a dark tan and green eyes, medium build, a well-groomed beard, lots of tattoos. He's talking loudly on his cell phone and catches Anna's eye immediately.
0: Roy Tam Okay, I'll call you later. Okay, bye. You je t'ai acheté un café. Ah, merci.
2: So, how many languages do you speak?
0: Hmm, I want to say five: English, French, Vietnamese, Spanish, and Italian. Well, six if you count sign language. But my friend here only speaks French. This is JB. Uh, je leur ai dit que tu ne parlais pas anglais. Ah, OK.
2: Wow, that's really impressive. Hi, JB.
0: Hello. I'm Marge, by the way, March Hébert. Really nice to meet you both.
2: I'm Anna, and this is Andrea.
0: So, uh, you both don't work out much, do you?
2: Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Anna is attracted to March, but he isn't really Andrea's type. She usually goes for more athletic looking men. She likes a smile, though. He's wearing a t shirt and shorts, sunglasses, and a baseball cap. One of the tattoos on his outer right forearm says Vietnam in italic lettering. He explains that he used to live there and loved the people. Another tattoo on his inner right forearm was three skulls, meaning see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. Anna describes March as having a soft mannerism and a disarming demeanor. Why don't you sit with us?
0: Oh, thanks. i uh, see you, JB.
2: So what brings you to Dartmouth?
0: How much time do you have? <laughs> Just kidding. I hate talking about myself. Um, so I came to Dartmouth to help my stepmom. She owns a Shuby campground.
1: Oh, okay. I think I've seen you in the park.
0: You know... You look really familiar. I think I've seen you too. So, yeah, my stepmom's overwhelmed right now. Her groundskeeper had an emergency, had to leave. Between us. I'm in the process of buying the place from her. She's having some money troubles.
2: So are you planning to stay?
0: Oh, yeah, 100%. I've been traveling for 20 years. I want to set down some roots. I actually bought 300 acres of land near Digby, about two and a half hours from here.
1: Yeah, we know Digby. What are you gonna do with 300 acres?
0: I'm actually opening a facility for at risk youth.
2: Stop! Seriously?
0: Yeah, why?
2: Anna looks over at Andrea, wide eyed. They can't believe what they're hearing. This is
1: Andrea's dream. I got a question. Why do you want to open a facility for at risk
0: youth? Well, let's just say I didn't have it easy as a kid.
1: What do you mean?
0: Do you mind if I smoke? Go ahead. So my parents were hippies. That's why they called me March and my sister April. Probably not what you might picture, though. Not the fun, free-spirit kind of hippies. They were addicts. We had no money. I lived most of my childhood in a tent, in the woods, off the grids. No friends, no school. My parents even... My... Sorry. They forced me to take drugs. They were abusive. Fought constantly.
4: Oh, my God. That's awful, Marsh.
0: Sorry. Sorry. I usually don't get like this. It's just hard to talk about sometimes.
1: Don't apologize.
0: Anyway, um... When I was old enough, I finally got the nerve to run away from them. I left with ten dollars in my pockets and two cigarettes. I was a mess, completely strung out. I went to the airport. I didn't know what I was doing or how I could get on a plane out there. I just needed to leave. And that's when I met Cal. I was smoking my second last cigarette. He came up and asked me to bum a smoke. I gave him my last one. Cal. Man, he, uh, he, he saved my life. He got me into rehab, mentored me, got my job on the oil rigs, gave me a place to live. He's my family. Because of him, I worked my way up from managing food to doing repairs to safety officer. And now I'm an ROV operator. I bought a beautiful house in Vancouver. I was able to turn my life around with a little help. So I guess that's why I want to open a facility for at-risk youth. I've been so lucky to turn my life around. I just want to pay it forward, you know?
1: What an amazing story. It sounds like you've been through a lot.
0: That's why I've taken JB here under my wing. He's had a bit of a rough go himself. I gave him a job at the campground. Je leur ai dit que je t'ai aidé à te trouver du travail. Ah, oui.
1: You know, Andrea can help you with the facility. Oh, yeah? She's got a non-profit camp for girls.
0: Come on, seriously?
1: Oh, yeah. And I got big plans for the future, too.
0: I'd love to hear them.
2: They talk for an hour that day. Anna thinks that March seems perfect for Andrea.
4: I was like, oh, my God. And I kept looking at her and looking at her, and I was like, whoa. This is mirroring your life. So I was in awe of him. He said, so are you guys single? I'm like, yeah, we're both single. Oh, wow, my gosh. she's Why? How come you guys? How could it be possible that the two of you are single? And we sort of laughed. And, and then I'm like, well, you know, why don't you ask her out? You know, I'm, so, I'm sort of pushing him at her. I really was because I, I was like, here's this attractive man. I found him attractive, very charismatic. Every time he spoke, her eyes would bulge and she'd look
5: at me. She thought he was my soulmate.
2: Andrea doesn't show it much in that first meeting, but she's impressed with March.
5: My first impression of him
3: was that he was pretty strong for being able to turn his life around and that he was um, community-minded for wanting to pay it forward, you know, and that he must be intelligent because he can speak all those languages.
2: March doesn't ask Andrea out that day. They don't exchange numbers. They all just kind of go their separate ways. About a week later, Anna convinces Andrea they should go visit March at Shuby. She's certain there's something there. An employee in the management office tells them he was out in the campground somewhere. They look around for a while, but no luck. A few days later, Andrea runs into him again in Shuby when she's out for a run with Cooper. He's more flirtatious this time. They exchange numbers. He asks her to go for a walk with him.
3: We walked uh, to the other end of the park. So from the campground park to um, another bridge it's far away. It was probably 10 kilometers that he walked. And, you know, I walked pretty fast. And he claimed to be very athletic. That He said he
2: biked across Canada to raise money for charity. But Marge is having trouble keeping up with Andrea. He's breathing heavily and lagging behind, barely able to carry on a conversation. I thought you said you were athletic.
0: <sighs> I've got Crohn's disease. Sorry. I get flare up sometimes.
1: Ah, oh, well, now I feel like a jerk. I'm sorry to hear that. I bet smoking doesn't help either.
0: I've been wanting to quit.
1: I'm gonna quit.
3: Uh, I don't think he was prepared to walk 10 kilometers. (laughs) Later on, I found out uh, from another person at the campground that he he, uh, went home after that and he had uh, blisters all over his feet and he was like in lots of pain, I guess.
2: Andrea slows down a bit. March asks her a million questions. Her plans for the adventure retreat, her hopes and dreams, her job, her past relationships – She's never had someone be so attentive. After their walk, they go for ice cream at the Funky Monkey Ice Cream Hut. March tells her about his retirement plan. He says he worked for a company in Alberta called Precision Drilling for over 20 years. There was a man named Marchie Bear who worked there. So he said he
3: worked... uh... On the oil rigs, and that he owned a company called Canyon Offshore, and that he did extremely well in investing in cryptocurrency and marijuana. So he said he doesn't have to work another day in his life, but that he did have a five year plan to retire from the oil rigs and run the campground and the youth at risk facility and help his stepmom.
2: He says his stepmom, Marsha, who runs Shuby Campground, is the only family he has although his mentor, Cal, and his longtime best friend, Mike Martin, are his chosen family. They both live in Vancouver. Mart shows Andrea pictures of Mike and Cal, his house in Vancouver, his baby blue Aston Martin, and his beloved dog, Roxy, who he was trying to get custody of from his ex-girlfriend, Faye. Andrea understands his heartbreak. She is a dog lover, after all. After that first date, Andrea ends up cracking two ribs while working her shift at the firehouse. March insists on helping her around the house. His friend JB would drive him over to her place in a beat-up old Chevy. March always has a Tim Hortons coffee in hand.
3: He would drink their coffee breakfast there all the time. And uh, he would order, he said he had his Crohn's. He had bad Crohn's and he would eat... This food, and I'd be like, I think that can't be good for Crohn's.
2: March fixes her lattice, cleans her eaves trough, even washes her dishes. When he's in over there helping, he's texting constantly. Andrea is impressed with March. He's sensitive and caring. He's helping her so much while trying to juggle multiple jobs. The retreat center for at-risk youth is taking up a lot of March's time.
5: He showed me the phases of the work, the diagrams, layouts, sketches, quotes, the water supply system. He took phone calls and uh, discussed construction. Uh, He was proud of how the facility would be off the grid and how he was keeping a small family-owned business alive for five years with his tiered plan. You know, he complained about the high cost of telephone poles, um, the Cost of clearing the lots and paving, like, he took phone calls. Like, he said he worked remotely off the oil rigs, and he worked and did work and took
2: phone calls and had laptop and did <laughs> this stuff. They talk more about the at-risk youth center. Andrea has a lot of ideas. This is her dream. She has vision boards going back 15 years. Andrea has thoughts about activities, how to structure the days, even the food they would serve. And
3: he, you know, he would give me undivided attention. Like, the world could be collapsing around him, and he would focus on you. And uh, he agreed with every one of my perspectives and (laughs) continually complimented me.
2: As their relationship grows over the next several weeks, the retreat center becomes a mutual dream, something they begin planning together. Andrea starts inviting March to her charity events. She's involved with local Big Brothers Big Sisters— March meets Andrea's friends at these events, mostly cops and fellow firefighters.
3: He would actually go around and tell my friends that he has the money and has the construction background to build the facility, but I had the brains and the experience to run the impactful camp that will help all these kids.
2: And he went on and on and on and on. Andrea's friends are impressed with March. He has a special energy. And more importantly, he treats Andrea well. He seems to know her worth.
3: They thought he was thoughtful and caring because he would like be so kind to me and be attentive to me. They thought uh, he was a sweetheart and that he was smart. They all said he's a fantastic conversationalist, I mean, very charming, and so they all liked him.
2: In the first weeks after they meet, March is constantly on the phone with his subcontractors, planning and dealing with a new stress or added expense for the center. He frequently drives up to the site in Digby with his mentee, JB. One day in late August, when March gets back from one of these visits, March stops by Andrea's house with a bottle of champagne. He's excited.
0: It's all happening, Andrea. They started clearing the lot in Digby. Check out these pictures. That's amazing!
1: I would love to come and see it sometime.
0: Oh, you will. Seriously, where have you been all my life? You are beautiful.
2: <laughs> they sleep together for the first time that night. As they lay in Andrea's bed, they talk about plans for the center. I can't believe this is really it.
1: This is going to help so many people.
0: We're going to build this thing together, Andrea. I'm telling you, this would be such a great investment opportunity for you. You could get in on the ground. I can't do this without you. You've already been giving me so many ideas.
1: You mean invest? No. No, no. No, if you need money, there's all kinds of grants. Crime prevention grants. There's so many organizations that give you money for this. I've already done all the research. I can just give you a list.
0: Oh, no, 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 no. I, I don't need any money. I just thought you wanted to invest, you know? So you felt like it was really yours.
2: That night, Andrea witnesses March have the first of what became many night terrors, where he would scream and thrash in his sleep. She said it seemed like he was running from something. He chalked it up to his traumatic childhood. In September of 2018, Andrea and March start seeing each other more regularly, and he's growing increasingly smitten with her.
3: He made me feel like I was definitely in a Hallmark movie. You know, he said uh, things like, you're perfect, you're beautiful, I love your eyes. You know, where have you been my entire life? I've never clicked with anyone this way before. I've never felt this way before. I've never had such a deep connection. I've never missed anyone more, never wanted anyone more. You make me a better person, that I was a soulmate, and that even though it's so early in our relationship, he thinks he's falling in love with me.
2: He gets Andrea to download WhatsApp. He has three cell phones, two for work, and one personal. They don't talk on the phone much, but he loves to text. He sent
3: tons of messages to me all the time asking me how I'm doing, and gen- like, it seemed like he was genuinely interested in everything about me you know and every message had like little kisses on it and uh you know if we we're in a car and there's a cute song going on and there's some kind of mushy part he'd sing that little part and you know he left notes everywhere for me like little notes of encouragement and kindness and and things like that in my car in my in my cup in um under my plate uh, in In my glove box.
2: March brings her around Shuby Campground, where he's living. They would have these massive bonfires.
3: And he was literally like a celebrity. Everybody knew him. Everybody wanted to say, come on in and have a drink. And, you know, oh, hey, hello, hello. You know, he's a master conversationalist, so he talked with everybody about everything. He allowed them to initiate the conversations and he asked questions to people. And people just love talking about themselves and about their stuff, you know. He asked questions about their uh, motorcycles, their campers. He just fit in
2: everywhere. He shows her his brand new 2018 RV. It's beautiful inside, state of the art. He finally introduces Andrea to his stepmom, Marcia who, if you remember, owns the campground. Marcia tells Andrea she heard a lot about her. Andrea thinks she seems lovely, but they don't talk much. March says Marcia's been a bit cranky lately because of her finances. She isn't happy about having to sell the campground to him. One night at Shuby, after a bonfire, they're sitting under the stars. He kisses her. It's a perfect evening in mid-September. March sheepishly asks if Andrea is his girlfriend.
3: And I actually said, well, I don't like to label things. So, I mean, it wasn't like love at first sight and I'm all in. It was like he had to work at it for
2: some time. So March keeps working at it. In late September, he takes her out for dinners. They go for drinks with her friends. He always pays. In cash. They even start ramping up their plans for the retreat center.
3: He made me feel fantastic, important, smart, beautiful, wanted, needed, and that together we were going to make the world a better place. That is hard to turn down. And that he has all these assets and, you know, that it wasn't going to be a problem. We could do whatever is needed to do this facility.
2: Now, Andrea is cautious to jump into anything after her two previous marriages, but her friends encourage her to let her guard down. They think March is a real catch.
3: My friends, I think, were just so happy that I was actually dating someone. You know, I really think it pained them that I was single.
4: I just saw that they seemed very happy. Uh, they seemed, both of them seemed very, very happy. That's Anna again. You know, and they could tell that they were spending a lot of time together. Things, to me, seemed to be going along quite smoothly.
2: March tells Andrea he wants to settle down and have a family. Traveling for work has made long-term relationships hard. His last relationship left him heartbroken. He was madly in love with his ex, Faye, but she was an alcoholic and it didn't work out. However, he had finally convinced Faye to let him have their dog, Roxy. She agreed to have her ship to Ontario. Andrea's fears of getting into a relationship are now starting to dissipate. Her marriages had relegated her to the role of caregiver. But she could tell this wouldn't happen with March. He was a caregiver too. She could tell by the way he was with his mentee, JB.
3: He always said to me that JB had a gambling problem. That's why he managed JB's money.
2: JB lives on Shuby Campground with March. One night at a bonfire, March tells her he's been helping JB get a job in the oil fields. He's helping him turn his life around. He was saving him from gambling away all of his money. March was helping JB the way his own mentor, Cal, had helped him. JB didn't say much, though. His English was non-existent, but he always nodded along when March would talk about him. By early October, things start to get more serious between March and Andrea. They start seeing each other every second day. Andrea's days off work. Even though she's extremely busy, March starts spending the night more and more, taking care of things at her place.
1: It starts to feel like he's almost living there. We need to get you a toothbrush for my place. You're here so often.
0: Maybe I should just move in. (laughs) Ha ha ha. No, I'm serious. I'm completely serious. Any time without you just feels wasted. I miss you whenever I'm not with you. Come here. Think about it.
1: Um... Maybe. But but we'd have to have an agreement. I would never live with someone again without one.
0: Like a legal agreement? Yeah, whatever you need.
2: Andrea's second marriage had ended a few years back. They had something called a cohabitation agreement, which is essentially a legal contract for how to deal with issues when you live together and at the end of your relationship. Things like how to divide property and debts if things don't work out. So, March and Andrea don't move in together just yet, but they do make plans to go to Vancouver to meet his best friend, Mike Martin, and see his house before he sells it. Mike had just left for a backpacking trip and wouldn't be back for about a month. Andrea and March are just looking into dates in November, but hadn't booked anything yet, when March get some terrible news.
3: He said his mentor was hospitalized for major heart surgery and that he was very stressed out that he likely won't survive.
2: March is devastated about Cal. This is the man who had helped him turn his life around, and now he didn't know if he would pull through. It was touch and go. Over the next two weeks, Andrea is busier than usual with work and volunteering. She's putting in some overtime at the fire station March is laying low at the campground because his Crohn's is acting up, but he always keeps in touch. One night in mid October, before her shift, Andrea gets a call from March. He tells Andrea the campground had a break in. His wallet and backpack were stolen, his cards, IDs, everything. Andrea reassures him everything is going to be okay. She tells him to apply for new cards. So then I'm at work
3: the next day, and he calls me. Uh, when I'm at work, I work for 24 hours, and I, I can't leave work. Um, uh, he called me. He said he was really sick. He was having a terrible Crohn's attack. And, and, you know, weeks leading up to this, and the whole time I knew him, he talked about his terrible Crohn's. And he says, I'm having an attack, but I don't have my wallet. I can't go to the bank. I can't access anything. I, I'll, as soon as I get my ID, I'll pay you back. Just, I just need $1,500 to get this medication. And then he said, uh, "Oh, in Nova Scotia, it costs more. It's like two thousand dollars." And so I gave him two thousand dollars. Then he said I needed uh, a second dose. The first dose didn't work. And so then he, you recovered after that.
2: A week later, on October twenty third, twenty eighteen, Andrea invites some friends over for a pumpkin carving contest. Andrea goes with a classic jack-o'-lantern. Sinister eyes and jagged teeth. This is pretty good, Marge. Who is this?
0: This is my precious baby girl, Roxy. Here, check out a picture of her.
1: It looks just like her. So cute. It's so detailed.
0: This knife is so perfect for carving. Check out the blade on it.
1: So sharp, be careful.
0: Handcrafted by a blacksmith in Vietnam. It's one of a kind.
1: Ha! That's not a knife. I'll show you a knife. Check this out. Wow, that makes yours look like a butter knife, March.
0: Oh my god. Why would you have a knife like that?
1: Because when I need to do something, I'm going to do it right. The next
2: day, March's replacement ID still hasn't come, but he has to drive to Ontario to pick up
1: Roxy from his ex. You can't drive without a license. You might get pulled over.
0: Don't worry. JB's going to drive.
1: Okay. So, I've e-transferred you the money for the trip. When are you gonna be back? I'm working Friday and Sunday this weekend. Ah.
0: Come here. Are you going to miss me?
1: You're only gonna be gone for a couple of days.
0: I'm going to miss you. Aren't you going to miss me?
1: Yeah, fine. I'm gonna miss you.
0: Are you going to cry?
1: (laughs) Okay. Very funny. The
2: next day, March leaves for Ontario to pick up Roxy. Two days after that, Andrea gets an email. A strange email.
3: The email, he said he was going to be late because um, his dog was late coming in. So uh, he had to stay the night. And um, so I knew him as March Hubert. The email came as March Vatour, And... He's and I said, "What's what's up with this?" And he said, "It's my business partner's email. We share. It's my my first name and his last name." And I knew immediately I had been ripped off. Immediately, nobody shares an email.
2: Andrea emails him again,
3: and I was like, "I, you know, I want my money." And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, I'll get you your money. No worries." Um, and then he tried to make me feel guilty about it, right? And he was trying to say, oh, he, you know, he just made a mistake or something. He's uh, under stress because his, um, his mentor is ill and, you know, he's trying to get his dog and he's got all this stuff going on with business and uh, how, how can you not trust me? And, you know, um, trying to make uh-huh. me feel guilty and everything.
2: Andrea doesn't take the bait but makes one last-ditch effort.
3: I told him that I won the 649, come and celebrate, because he's about money. More money. So I figured he'd want to try and get more money from me if I won that money. Mm-hmm. I even yeah. sent him
2: pictures of the ticket. In the end, March gets $5,000 of Andreas Peranza's money.
3: I never heard from him again. When I was saying goodbye to him, At the very, the the last encounter I had with him and he was leaving and he asked me, are you going to miss me? I thought to myself, well, that's an odd, like, is he joking? Because I work 24 hours on and I don't see him and he was only going to pick up the dog and come back. And then he said, oh, are you going to cry? And I actually laughed out loud. You know what? He wasn't joking. Because what he meant was, yes, mm-hmm. you're going to cry because I scammed you good. I took your money and I'm going to ghost you. It was
2: 1130 p.m. when Andrea realizes what had happened. She's in shock. Her mind is racing a mile a minute.
4: Well, I, I, I'm sitting here and it's close to midnight and I get a text uh, from Andrea. She said, you still up? I said, yes. She said, can I call you?
1: Hello, Andrea? Hey, sorry to be calling so late. What's going on? Is everything okay? It's about March. Oh no, what happened? He's married, isn't he? Nope, no, it's worse. He stole my money, he's gone. No, oh my God. He lied about his name, probably about everything. He sent me an email with a different name. He, he got me good. Andrea, you have to go to the police. Yeah. Oh my God. The at youth facility? Oh, I think that was all bullshit.
2: But how could March have known about Andrea's plans for the retreat center? They met by chance at Tim Hortons that day. Didn't they?
3: He knew my dream in advance. He, he knew me. I, I'm confident he researched me. I, I'm, You know, many people know me, not only because I exercise in the park uh, every day, but... Because I'm, I'm involved in so
4: many things. I'm community minded. I don't know if he saw her, watched her park, looked at her license plate because her license plate says firefighter. And, uh, but I don't know how he would personally get information about her unless he asked
3: around. I'm sure somebody gave him the lowdown on me. She's a, you know, uh, a firefighter and community. You know, is she's got this camp and, you know, she's single and that. And then if you just Google my name, there's things that come up that tell him all the information he needs to know. I think he, he felt I'd be an easy target. You know, con people, um, generally con people who are caring.
2: <laughs> Anna and Andrea go
4: over their first meeting with March back in August. I consider my friend very bright. I didn't pick up on anything that was unauthentic. I, I genuinely believed. When he started to cry a little, I believed him. It seemed so real. What a great actor he was. <laughs> this is what he does. This is his job. He has perfected his art to such a degree, you can't see through it because he has he's, he's done such an amazing job at wearing this mask.
2: Still, Anna can't get over that she had encouraged their relationship.
4: She did not deserve to be used by someone like that piece of you know, um, unpleasantness. Uh, she didn't deserve that. And she wasn't even like she was out there looking and dating and online. Like, you know how some people are out there and they'll date anybody and they're always online looking and such. None of that. She's never done any of that, you know, and never had to do any of that.
3: Yeah, she felt very bad because she, she thought, you know, he was the man of my dreams and that he would be the best, you know, the perfect person for me, you know. She... She, you know, has the biggest heart and uh, she, she felt terrible. Like, Should I encouraged you. <laughs> and I just It's got nothing to do with you or me, really. He's a criminal. So it's not your fault. It's not my fault.
4: You know, honestly, what I was thinking could have been me. I was thinking, man, did I ever dodge a bullet there? Because I was thinking, what if he had put his whole thing on me? Andrea begins going through
2: every interaction she had with March over the last three months.
3: I basically gave him the whole playbook of how to rip me off, <laughs> probably how to how to woo me. <laughs> Told you know he and he he asked me all the questions and I thought, oh, he's genuinely interested in me. I've I've never had anyone so interested in me.
5: He gets in your head, and just he just finds out what you're about and feeds you that, and just whatever you like he likes. He worships your ground, and then, well, why wouldn't you want to be in a relationship? with somebody like that.
3: He initiates a relationship and shapes his stories based on uh, my strengths and my weaknesses and then he invested time and effort and money to gain my trust while he created his multi layered investment scheme and then he tried the romance scheme and then it ended up with the illness schemes. The thought of me being ripped off before this that point was, was ne- never crossed my mind. I thought he had, you know, that nice trailer. That uh, he had all these assets. He was worked at this place. Had this business. Had the the, the um, youth at risk uh, investment and the whole thing leading up to him getting the money from me. It's quite ingenious how. He had, like, phases. So a couple weeks before he needed the medication, he told me his best friend was going to be out of the country for several weeks and can't be reached.
2: He also said from the beginning that he was estranged from his parents. His stepmom was the only family he had.
3: Other than his stepmom was Cal that mentored him and helped him and made him the man he is today. And then his best friend, Mike, who did everything with him for his whole life. So. Now he's telling me his best friend, Mike, is gone away. And then a week before his attack, he said his mentor was hospitalized for major heart surgery and that he was very stressed out that he likely won't survive. And he didn't get money from his stepmom because he he said he was already financially helping her and he was already financially helping his friend, JB. You know, maybe I should have asked him more questions and talked more to his stepmom um, you know, and I should have went to Digby. I was so busy, uh, and it was just land he was breaking, and it was just like clearing woods and paving. So I was like, "Well, why do I have to? I don't have to go see that."
2: The slow build, the consistency, the corroboration.
3: So you know, uh, Marcia was involved in the con. JB was
2: involved in the con. But why would Marcia and JB lie for March? What were they getting out of it? These are the questions that run through Andreas Brand's mind the night she finds out she's been tricked. She doesn't sleep that night. After she gets off the phone with Anna, she goes online, hoping to find something on March Vautour.
3: I researched his new name and I came across a Facebook account and I was like, oh, it's his name. Excellent. And then I looked at, oh, my God, that's a picture that he showed me. And then I looked down and it said, Beware, this man isn't who he claims to be. And I was like, Oh my god. And uh, I messengered that person and it was a it was a victim who lost more money than me, and I spoke to her, and then it we were FaceTiming and then and I thought her story, you know, was profound and um, then she said, hold on. Another girl came on and her she lost a lot more money. And her story was even more profound. And I was like, oh, my God, this is crazy.
2: The other victims tell her his real name. Marcel-André Vautour.
3: That night I couldn't sleep. You know, I could see their face, these girls' faces and their emotions. And, and I was thinking, man, this guy has taken not only their money, but their self-respect and their hopes and their dreams and their faith in people, their faith in their own decision-making. And he is going to continue to do this, and he needs to be stopped.
2: Andrea went to counseling after what happened. She enrolled in self-defense classes and installed full surveillance at her home. She got tested for sexually transmitted diseases and distributed flyers all over Dartmouth warning people about this man. Andrea also filed a police report, but soon discovered there would be no justice there.
3: If a dozen people in provinces across the country that don't know each other all claim the same thing, then that's organized crime. Even when I filed, they're saying, well, you can file, but there's nothing we can do about it. But I still filed.
2: Police told her she, quote, gave him money, and her case was closed shortly after here's Anna again.
4: People think it's just a woman. She just, she, she, she gave it freely. She, she gave it. It's not fraud. It's not theft. She gave him her, her money, but Andrea loaned him this money.
3: So he's not in jail because he knows the legal system and he's smart and he knows human nature, how people act and react. And he knows all the loopholes. He also benefits from the fact that his victims feel alone, scared, resourceless, and embarrassed, so they're less likely
2: to take them to task. There's also the issue of police not taking these crimes seriously.
3: Because the police aren't doing anything about it if you report it even. So why go through the embarrassment and the hassle if they're just gonna say, you know,
4: figure it out on your own. I mean she had a small amount, but some of those ladies lost their homes, lost all their savings they need justice
3: people say oh you know um it'll it'll never happen to me it's just you know these stupid women that are giving their money away i never in a million years thought this would happen to me and in fact when i told my friends this happened to me they were like you got to be kidding me yeah you of all people
4: you it could happen to anybody because this is an educated woman this is a professional woman. This happens to doctors, this happens to lawyers, this happens to anybody in any field you can imagine. You meet somebody, you you connect with them, they're genuine. And if you think it can't happen to you, you're very naive and it's only a matter of time before it will. How could you not be a
3: psychopath? How could you ruin so many people's lives and not care and just and, and walk away in, you know, to me, it's not even so much about the money. It's about the, the deepness of the con within the relationship, you know?
4: It's dark evil. You know, they say a really good liar puts some truths in there to make it, right? To make it easier and make the story more believable. Because he has conviction about that because he knows it's true.
2: We know about the many lies March spun. But was anything he told Andrea real? The dog? His work on the rigs? His troubled childhood? Anything? I believe
3: his primary source of income is his fraudulent activities. He still does have to do some work on the side to uh, transition. And so, uh, you know, I know he's a handyman of some sort. What I know about his life is that it's very sad. He's jobless, friendless. His family disowned him. I mean, he must not even know who he is because he's so busy being everybody else. Uh, And he must not like who he is because he's being everybody else. And, you know, he's just empty and, and he's always got to look over his shoulder. You know, what kind of life is that? Isn't it easier to earn a living than to do that?
2: Andrea thinks this way because in his sea of victims, she knows she's one of the lucky ones.
3: I just wasn't all in and... I, that, that's what makes it easier for me.
2: But some of the other women Andrea found on Facebook weren't so lucky.
3: I think they were in love with him. Um, mm-hmm. Or they liked him more than I liked
5: him. And the other ladies, he got passwords and onto their computers and in their home security systems and stuff like that.
2: On the next episode of Catch Him If You Can. When I first got back from the trip and I realized what had happened, I felt like I was in a state of shock. I was... Confused, Um, I felt like I had been brainwashed. How could I let this happen? I was like, what the hell's wrong with me? This is not my character. None of it's my character. And I feel like I failed myself. I feel like I failed my marriage.
3: His uh, bubble's getting smaller and smaller. I mean, you can only burn so many bridges in so many provinces before something happens to you, right? And, you know, I worry that someone's going to take
2: the law into their own hands. Yeah, we're going to get the f***er. We don't care how we're going to get him. We're going to get him. Catch Him If You Can is created and produced by Pink Moon Studio in partnership with Frequency Podcast Network. It's written and reported by me, your host, Amelia King, and Maggie Reed. Evan King is our post-production supervisor. Chris Rennick is our editor. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Pod.